everybody, and welcome to another True Stories of Tinseltown. And guess what? I'm here with my bud. And, you know, you just, you know, you've done other stuff with me other than series. You know, you've done other women. Like, we didn't, Jane Mansfield was the first time we met, and we didn't really, you know, we did a two-parter on her, which was wonderful, and I mean to repost it. But, you know, we've done some singular chicky poos out there, I think. We, we have, but our series are the most fun. I love our series, and we are doing so good, you guys. We had a few weeks that was, you know, I was going away, April was going away, all that stuff. But we are on track for our series of Stage Moms. Okay, April, tell us who is our numero quattro. We're on four. Our stage mother, numero four. We are doing the infamous Gertrude Temple, who is, of course, Shirley Temple's mother. And, you know, I found out some lollapaloozas about her. Um, I think she, I think we're going good in a label of rotten people, you know? She's there, and then we're going to do Natalie Wood's mother. Oh, my God, what a monster. But um, why don't you start us off with um, pre, pre um, our little dimpled darling, you know, when mom and dad met. <laughs> um, so Gertrude was actually born in Chicago in 1893, and one of my favorite stories is when Shirley went to Chicago as an adult, and she said, my mom was born here, and I only wish I could have been there with her. <laughs> um, I think it's really, really easy to think you know with some of these horrible moms their kids are just going to grow up and hate them but Shirley is an example of someone who loves her mom yes and she actually was one of the child stars who was normal she was able to get into a true life you know she just didn't go you know she it was you know she got teenage roles and things like that but she decided to quit the business have kids became an ambassador all that stuff so Shirley really was able to have a normal life some you know more than us you know as far as the ambassadorship but that's truly a credit there and I think credit Shirley I kind of credit Shirley with that yeah no exactly and I think in certain ways um how Gertrude raised her allowed that to happen as well um but of course for other things she didn't prepare Shirley at all um but Gertrude you know she's another one she was growing up dancing she wanted to become a ballerina and I, I I don't know how many people know the history of ballet and I'm far from an expert on it but a lot of ballerinas during this time were more short and squat and so it was pretty easy to um, grow out of ballet. And that's what ends up happening to Gertrude Temple. She just grows out of it. She can't, you know, do anything else with ballet because she's just considered too tall. Right. So, you know, Gertrude eventually meets a guy. Her I'm just so everyone knows, I'm not trying to skip her childhood, but there's really nothing there. I mean, she, you know, she comes from a 
reportedly middle-class childhood and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Um, but she, you know, she grows up and she is, you know, sitting there and she's going to high school and all of a sudden her dad dies and Gertrude and her mom are devastated and they also have to take jobs to cover the bills. So Gertrude, it's arguable if she graduates high school, but she goes in, she, you know, takes jobs and she's supporting her mommy. Eventually she marries a man named George and George is a bank clerk and they have a, a very, um, I guess you can say non-equal relationship. <laughs> George is very sunny and nice and short. He's a few inches shorter than his wife. He has dimples uh, like Charlotte. He does have dimples and he's just He's a very positive person. And, of course, Gertrude is a very strong-willed woman. I think that's the nicest way to describe her. So we will say again, Gertrude wore the pants in the family. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gertrude's sitting there and she's, you know, just she gets married. And I, I think Gertrude and George loved each other. I think that... He probably loved um, her more than she loved him, but I do think that they loved each other. Uh And they eventually go out to Santa Monica and they, you know, they have a couple kids. They have two little boys. And but Gertrude's main thing is she really wants a little girl. That is her dream. She wants to have a little girl and she wants this little girl to be like artistic and, you know, become a star because everyone at this time wants their kid to become a star. That was just the way of the world then because it was all so new and it seemed easy and all. And she wanted to be a star at one point. So you can see how that goes. Did you? Exactly. Are, are you going into the fact that she would play music while Shirley was in the womb? And that, I mean, that's well, really ahead of its time, that's for sure. So the the first thing she does is to ensure she gets a girl, she finds out that if a man's tonsils are removed, they're more likely to have a girl. So she convinces her husband to get his tonsils <laughs> removed. Ouch. And then they grow back. And so she has him go in again and gets no his tonsils way. removed a second time. Yeah, this is in Shirley's book. How in the world does a father, how do your tonsils grow back? That's a horror story that you, and he didn't even, maybe because they weren't sick. Maybe because there was nothing wrong with them. Yeah, apparently your tonsils can grow back mm-hmm. um, <laughs> oh, after baby. they're removed. Yeah. And, you know, so he, so he goes in and he gets him removed a second time. And then she finds out she's pregnant. And as you point out, Grace, there, there's no way of knowing the sex of the baby until the baby's born. But she's just convinced it's going to be a girl. And so she, you know, sits there and she goes and she listens to music all the time. And she, you know, watches movies and she goes to plays. Because there's a very popular idea really starting around the late 1800s, early 1900s, that if you look at beautiful things or whatever you're looking at, that that is going to influence your child in the womb. Um, Another famous example of this is Vivian Lee's mom sitting there and staring at the mountains while she's pregnant with Vivian, and she wants the beauty of the mountains to transfer to her daughter. Wow. It worked. Um, it, it does work. And P, and 
Gertrude will say for really the rest of her life that, you know, one of the main reasons that Shirley was so talented was because in the, she did all this like womb work to ensure that Shirley would be talented. Yes. Shirley was tap dancing in her womb, I believe. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Shirley is born on April 23rd, 1928. The family moves to Brentwood shortly thereafter. And, you know, it's it's kind of like Betty, Shirley's sitting there, and when she's learning to walk, she walks on her tiptoes. And she's moving to the rhythm of the music in her crib. Okay. And Gertrude is like... Oh my gosh, I've got something with this kid. <laughs> it worked. I did everything right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This kid is going to be a star. Um, so she, you know, she does again like what Lillian did with Betty. She puts her through, you know, her own little star making program and she, you know, always has dancing lessons and Gertrude works with her on her singing and they work on acting. And in 1931 when Shirley is has like just turned 3, she's put in Maglin's Dance School which is in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And this is when her mom will start putting her in the 56 ringlets that are just synonymous with Shirley Temple now. 56, not 55, not 57. She always did 56, right? Yeah, it's always 56 ringlets. Didn't she also at that dancing school? I don't I don't believe they went at the same time, but um uh, Judy Garland went there as well. Yes, Maglin's was considered like the premier children's dance school and studio representatives would go out there to get children. Um, It's also where they pulled a lot of the kids from um, who portrayed Munchkins in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, they usually came from Maglin's. And that that school, yeah, there I mean Judy Garland goes there, Ann Miller goes there, Mickey Rooney goes there. I mean, this is like the dance school to go to. The under yeah. capital the, you better believe it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 definitely connected. So one day um, Gertrude arrives at the dance school with Shirley and all of the little girls and quite a few of the little boys who go to Maglin's are just dressed in their Sunday best. Mm-hmm. And Gertrude is like, why, why is everyone dressed up? What are we doing? Well, come to find out, Educational Pictures had Maglin's post a bulletin that Gertrude miraculously missed. And it said, you know, we're going to audition kids for our movies. So all these kids are there in the hopes that they're going to get cast in a movie. And Shirley is just dressed in her regular blue dressing outfit. And Gertrude's like, well, I can't send her in. And the woman who owns Maitland's just like, no, you know, send her in, see, you know, what happens. All they're going to do is have the kids walk across the stage. So Shirley um, is separated from her mom because all the moms have to go away while the kids are being, you know, looked at, which now I don't think you would do as much. But at the time it was at the time it was like, this is how we do it. 
And unbeknownst to Gertrude, uh, when she picks up Shirley, Shirley's not really saying a lot. And it's because she hid behind the piano the whole time. (laughs) And Charles Lamont, who was the person auditioning these kids on behalf of educational pictures, had to coax her out. And he thought, you know, she was an adorable little girl everything's going to go well. Uh, But she doesn't end up being cast. They're like, there was another little girl. Her name's Audrey. Isn't horrible. I can't remember her last name. But this little girl, Audrey, is cast instead. And they're like, you know, this is who we're going to go with. Well, lo and behold, the fates are on Shirley's side. And Audrey becomes sick. And Charles Lamont remembers, um, some people say it's his wife who reminds him, but anyway, somehow Charles Lamont remembers Shirley, and that is how Shirley is signed with the baby burlesque. And of course, or with educational pictures to make baby burlesque. And baby burlesque, that's a story in and of itself. Really is. And definitely it would not be allowed today. No. Um, So for those who don't know what the baby burlesque are, somebody had this brilliant idea to take children and put them in these little shorts where they're playing adult roles. So probably the most famous one, and it stars Shirley in her first speaking role, is War Babies. (laughs) Um, and I don't know if anyone here has seen War Babies, but it's playing off of what price glory and Shirley plays a prostitute. Oh my God. Um, I actually, when I used to teach a film class, I would show that movie. People were just horrified. And I mean, it is really horrific when you watch it. You have to remind uh, me of this. It's it's interesting. It's it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of uncomfortable sexualized imagery, which is that. horrifying when you think about it. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's not good. <laughs> Definitely, you know, I I always recommend it so people can see. Obviously, you know Shirley's first speaking role, and you can you know see like oh you know this three year old is going to you know grow up into something great, but. It's it's definitely a hard watch. Um, like I said, there's a lot of sexual imagery, and it's it's just not comfortable. I wonder you know? whatever possessed them. You know, is this when the Hayes coat was on or what? Because what possessed them? You know, this is really sexualizing these children, and you would think that the code would say it had to be before the code because she was twenty eight. But still, yuck. You know, it's it's just I don't know what they were thinking either. Yuck. Yeah, no, it's um, it's very, it's yeah. They're just they're very they're very interesting. I, I have no other way to put it. Um, you know, so that's you know the the main one that she does, and it's. 
it's a very difficult set. I mean, you get in trouble and they put you in what this, you know, like renovated sound booth box that's a block of ice. Oh my God. I know. And so, and you know, surely. <laughs> no, Shirley has to go sit on a block of ice. Um, As- in her, in Gertrude's defense, Gertrude is not allowed on the set because as hard as Gertrude could be on things, I don't think she would have agreed for Shirley to be put on a block of ice. Well, I hope not, but I'm sure Shirley Um, did tell her she was put on a block of ice. Yeah, no. Well, and Shirley is, according to Shirley, she's only put on twice and she learns her lesson. She gets an ear infection both times. Lovely. Um, You know, so Shirley's... The, the, this is just you know, a really, really difficult time. And Shirley also talks about making one of her last ones, which is called Kid in Africa, where she plays Jane to another kid's Tarzan. And, you know, Shirley said that she was absolutely horrified because they have this scene where she's running from a group of African-American children. Oh, um, and all of us, she gets like past, you know, this line that they've marked out and then they pull up a line, they pull up a wire and they trip all of the African-American kids. So they were playing pygmies? Yes. Yeah. Well, they're supposed to be playing like cannibals. Oh. They're supposed to be like cannibals that are trying to eat Jane. <laughs> so they trip all of these poor little, you know. Uh, African-American kids and Shirley starts bawling even though she's fine because she feels so bad for these kids who have been tripped these this this time in Hollywood history there are a lot of things that you know any good person today wouldn't do but at the time, it's kind of, you know, it's 1932. It's kind of all, you know, well, we'll just do whatever. And these kids had no idea, I bet, when they were running after Shirley that they were going to be tripped because they weren't no. probably that wonderful. Oh, my God, I just was tripped. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, exactly. Horrible. <laughs> Um, you know, and that, that's one of the last ones that she makes, you know, so these these. It's just a horrible time. Didn't she do um, May West? She did sort of the swigging, swaggering kind of May. She does do that. And that one is called Glad Rags to Riches, which is making light of she done him wrong. Um, and Shirley plays a saloon singer. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> you know, and these these comedies are only about twenty minutes. You know, twenty twenty five minutes, and they're you know, like you said, they're just they're very adult oriented. But people love these shorts. You know, they think they're hilarious, and it's just I don't know. It's just it's creepy. It is. Very There's no other way to put it. It's just funny. creepy. Um. You know, and Gertrude is sitting there and she's pushing for stuff. I mean, you know, that that's what these stage moms do. They just, they push for things. And eventually Shirley's time with educational ends and she starts kind of studio hopping. You know, she goes to Universal where she makes out all night and she goes to Paramount where she, which is her first 
I guess you could say major credit role with one of the major studios. It's a paramount picture. Um, and I shouldn't say credit because she's not credited, but she is at least named. Um, you know, and then she goes over to Fox and then she goes to Warner Brothers. But then, of course, she will eventually land with Fox and Baby Take a Bow and Bright Eyes are her first two, I guess I would say, major films. Yeah, where that, they that are she makes making her a star kind of film. Exactly. And this is, of course, where Gertrude goes into overdrive. This isn't to say that Gertrude wasn't pushy before, but when Shirley is at Fox, that's when it's like, oh, my God, this woman's mom is crazy. And she was there all the time, right? Which was a good thing. She was. And I, I think, you know, that's actually a really good point. And I think it's something that kind of gets, uh kind of gets ignored is that Gertrude in her own way is a caring mother, but this isn't an industry that you can be like a great mother in. No, because these kids are being for, yeah, they say Shirley loved it and all that stuff, but all these other, they're just being forced into something when they're just, you know, babies. She said she had two years of being a kid. You know, and then all of a sudden she had to be something else at three. And how sad is that? Right, exactly. And I mean, Gertrude won't let her have, you know, any playmates when she's coming up. It does change, you know, a little bit when Shirley's a little bit older. But Gertrude really won't let her, like, have anyone to play with, you know, and she's just like... You, you got to work. You got to do this. And of course, Shirley be, ultimately becomes the primary breadwinner in their family. Which is not uh, unusual. Let's face it. That's kind of the norm. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, but Gertrude does try to put some normalcy in Shirley's life, too. And she finally does allow her to, you know, hang out with some of the neighbor kids occasionally. She, you know, tells the parents, don't take your kids to Shirley Temple, you know, Shirley's movies. I don't want your kids to know that she's famous. Yeah, you know, I don't want her to be treated differently because of the work she does. Or, you know, she'll also sit there and say, you know, um, that like Shirley can't read her fan mail because she doesn't really want Shirley to realize how much of a star she is. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are drawbacks to this because you, one could argue is another method that she is controlling Shirley. And I would say it's kind of a complicated issue from that standpoint. But I think in Gertrude's mind, she's like, I want my child to have some sense of normalcy in all of this. Do you think the neighbors did not? know or tell their didn't the kids know she was Shirley Temple I I'm just who knows maybe they didn't know she was Shirley Temple I hope they didn't know so Shirley had her own way but you know parents they get starstruck even if the kid's six you know 50 how many 56 curls 56 curls which is very difficult because Shirley's hair is naturally like pen straight really wow you'd never think Mm -hmm. that um you know, and so Shirley's Shirley's hair has to basically be set every night for this stuff. I do have a funny though personal story 
Um, cause I grew up on Shirley Temple movies. My grandparents had grown up on them. So I did too. Mm-hmm. And I know my grandma, like kind of had this weird grudge against her. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, cause I'm a kid. I don't know what's going on. And she goes, well, they used to always say she was younger than me, but I knew she wasn't and come to find out she was five months older. Go get it, Grandma. I don't blame yeah, my her grandma for was that just, grudge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, okay, well, you've been holding this grudge for 60 years, but congrats. Grandma. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she, she, that was the one thing I remember my grandma saying about, I mean, my, my grandma would watch her and stuff, and she got me like a Shirley Temple doll, actually a couple Shirley Temple dolls. Did they ever I mean, try grandma, to do your hair? I, my grandma did do the pin curls How when I was <laughs> really into Shirley. It didn't look good. Um, but you know, I and I mean, my grandma was a fan of her, but she just held on to this one grudge about the fact that Shirley Temple's age was lied about. Uh but anyway, so, you know, Shirley's, you know, sitting there and she's working. And like we said, Ger- Gertrude is counting everything from her curls. Gertrude is paid $250 a week just to care for Shirley's hair. Oh, my. And, of course, Shirley is making money hand over fist. And Gertrude also kind of doubles as Shirley's, like, stage manager directors really won't talk to Shirley they'll talk to Gertrude who talks to Shirley right um and of course this changes as Shirley gets older but you know when she's young she only really takes direction from Gertrude and I think that's part of the reason that they are so close as well because Gertrude is sitting there you know, saying like, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. It's never like a threatening environment because it's coming from her mother. Yeah. And they said that she would lay in bed with Shirley and they would practice her lines. And she also would practice everybody else's lines. And some people didn't appreciate it when like Lionel Barrymore, I think it was for Heidi, uh, he he was not well, whatever, and maybe he had a drink in him or something, and his line was not right. Shirley Temple kind of told him off a little bit. Another guy was Adolf Manju, who who thought she was a monster, and he kept forgetting his lines. And he was close enough to Shirley and the director to say, you know, I don't know if that Mr. Manju can remember his lines. Maybe we should replace him. <laughs> so Shirley was certainly not she may be a young girl adorable with dimples and 56 pin curls but you know she was you know she she you know she just let everybody have it you know she she really does and she she's very she's very much a professional and I, I do think, you she know, you pointed that out. She is very much a professional, but she can be, and people I've discovered when you go over stuff with Shirley Temple, people who met her either really loved her or they really disliked her. Most people really loved her, but there are some people who just really did not like her. And I think, you know, some of this is Gertrude's doing because Shirley does act like an adult. And I think there's a big thing with, you know, 
how how she's raised Shirley and her, you know, making Shirley basically act as an adult by the time she's three does kind of inhibit how Shirley develops. Even though Shirley and Gertrude both say, you know, off the screen, she's just a normal little girl. I don't think you could be a normal little girl. No way. Not at three. And you're this humongous star. This is funny. She, I read, I read this about Gertrude. She also ensured like, you know, Mae West didn't want blondes, you know, so many people, you know, they do their own thing. But uh, Gertrude also ensured that any young thespians who might upstage her daughter had their parts substantially cut. These imperious actions won Gertrude few friends in Hollywood. Yeah, and that's the thing with Gertrude. I mean, her her prime thing is Shirley. And, of course, it's also the money that Shirley's bringing in because people need to remember this is obviously before Coogan's Law. Mm-hmm. And so the temples are spending money hand over fist. Uh, you know, they make sure that they live in a very big house. You know, they're always decked out in furs. Oh I mean, God. they live a yes. very extravagant um you know, lifestyle. I see one of Shirley's, um, Shirley's premieres and there's Gertrude decked out in like jewels and this really long fur coat and just like, you know, she's a star. I'm sparkling here. I'm this and that. Yes, of course they spent her money and how shocking, you know, (laughs) because it's just not that shocking, unfortunately. Exactly. Um, so, you know, they're, they're just, they're living the high life and Gertrude is in other ways, very, very strict with Shirley. You know, she's, she makes sure, you know, Shirley, as you said, there, Shirley goes home and she's just basically still working and she's making films back to back to back it's not uncommon for her to have three to four films a year and wasn't Um, she the biggest box office star for a couple of them she is um shirley is the biggest box office star for like five years in a row i mean she outpaces clark gable there's some things in that that really creeps me out there are that many children in the world that could put her over the top or you know like creepy men you know she wore these things and don't think i'm some prevert or pervert peeps i'm just saying she's wearing these little tiny things this would not get away with it today her little underwear and her dimpled little self and um who's i can see kids watching it and mom and dad's watching it and all this other stuff but it's like wow i don't know it's like adults really liking shirley temple but i did read this one thing that because uh george looked like shirley had the dimples and everything he would get letters and stuff asking women to um, impregnate them so they could get their own Shirley Temple. Obviously, Gertrude was not happy about that. (laughs) I would say it didn't happen. Who knows? I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah, I think think George was was pretty enamored with with Gertrude. Um, You know, and 
Shirley's sitting there and she, she starts out and she's only making like $150 a week when she officially signs with Fox in 33. And of course her salary just skyrockets and she saves Fox. Fox would have gone under in the thirties, you know, with, with the depression and, you know, the stock market crash and needing to combine with 20th, they they would have gone under and they didn't because of a five-year-old. You know, I have to ask you this because I've read it and I'm trying to find truth or fiction, but I've read it so many times and I Google it and I do this. There were false claims circulated that Shirley was not a child, but a 30-year-old dwarf or little person, due in part to her stocky body type. And the rumor was so prevalent, and and the Vatican dispatched Father Silvio Masante to investigate whether she was indeed a child. Yes. That happened? Yes, that that does happen. And Why did the Vatican care? Because the Vatican just cares. That's why I have no idea. I genuinely don't know why they cared so much, but they do care. And you know, Shirley's hair is also said to be a wig. So wherever she goes, oh, people yeah. pull her hair. Oh. Um. You know, and she she also though meets basically everybody under the like sun at this point, including Albert Einstein. How old is she? He wa- he wants to meet her. <laughs> yeah, they they meet, and you know she's like six or seven, and she meets Albert Einstein. You know, and it's just she goes through. And she, I, I don't think anyone can really fathom the Shirley Temple phenomenon. There, there's really never been anything else like it. The whole world loves this little girl. I, you know, I had parents and grandparents who would, you know, but they weren't Shirley Temple fans as far as I know. And so I really never... You know, never got into Shirley Temple, nor did I, you know, watch movies with Shirley Temple. But I will have to watch the one you told me about, definitely. Um, but eek. But I did watch teenage Shirley Temple movies, yes. I did, because I liked some of the people. But uh, she was amazing. Allegedly, she was playing, and she had a slingshot, and she <laughs> got Mrs. Roosevelt in a kista <laughs> with a yeah. slingshot. But she liked her. She did like her. And um, Shirley, you know, basically meets every politician. And one of them was rude to a group, but not her. I mean, no one's rude to Shirley Temple. I don't think she put, she would not tolerate it, let's face it. No. Um, But she saw, you know, a Democratic senator who was mean to a group of children, you know, in a different room. And that's why she decides for the rest of her life to become a Republican. Why? Um, because of this, you know, rude senator that she sees. Uh, but yeah, it's very, it, it's very big, you know, thing. And one of the reasons um, that you know people think she's a dwarf is because they never see her missing any teeth. Yes. But 
people don't have the concept then that she's wearing flippers all the time and that these flippers are making it look like she has all of her teeth. Well, that's what they do with kids and also with these crazy people. And I don't think they should have child beauty pageants or anything like that. But, you know, if your kid loses a tooth, they put like little partial little things on their teeth so that they have a pepsodent grin when they are like six, seven years old, when they start losing their teeth. So, yeah, that's weird. But I just can't believe someone sent someone. What did he do? How did he find out if she was a 30-year-old midget? I, I I genuinely don't know, but those rumors were so prevalent in Europe that she was actually a midget. <laughs> um, you know, and it's funny, too, because I, I didn't go into it, but Shirley's actually discovered by Fox at a movie theater. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, I think if... I think if Fox had been more open about some of their things, I mean, they, you know, circulate the movie theater story because that's what happened. But they also say that like she's this natural born talent who just like basically came out of the womb tap dancing. Uh And I think if Fox had been a little more honest, of course they're not because it ruins their facade and everyone at the time loves the facade and said, you know, like, Hey, you know, like she was basically been working since she was two, you know, blah, 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 blah. People wouldn't have grown so much with like, oh, she's a midget or, you know, her hair's just wigs. Um, Can you imagine that poor little girl, people trying to pull that off of her head? Yeah. And Shirley sat there and said, you know, I wish it was a wig. Yeah, she didn't want to go through the process was grueling. You know, she has to go through a weekly vinegar rinse. She has to go, you know, her mom sets every curl every single night. It must have taken forever. Oh, yeah. She said it was like a two-hour thing every single night. One thing I read that in um, for Gertrude and the hubby is Shirley would get a $20 a week allowance, which about then would probably be about 100 bucks. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty hefty allowance. She worked enough, yes, but uh, yeah. that is a hefty allowance at that time because I've read where people would give them five bucks or something like that, which would have been twenty five bucks or something like. Right. I mean, this is also the time when a quarter can buy you a meal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, so get, getting twenty bucks—that's a lot of meals, and that's um, a lot of candy. <laughs> This is another rumor I want to... I never read this. In 1938, at the peak of her fame, a 10-year-old Shirley Temple was publicly accused of being an unwitting agent of the Communist Party. Her accuser was Congressman Congressman Martin Dyes Dyes of the House, of course, HUAC. Yeah, no. I mean, stuff like this goes around, Shirley. (laughs) I mean, she's a commun. Okay, she's a thirty-year-old communist midget. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yes, who wears wigs? <laughs> Terrible. Um, you know, but Shirley, Shirley takes in stride, and I do think you know that Gertrude does try to shield her a little bit mm-hmm. from stuff like that. Um, she obviously can't really shield the hair pulling. But I, I do think that she tries to shield Shirley from a lot of it. Um, 
you know, Shirley's, uh, I don't want to say peak, but one of the peaks of her career is she's the first child who receives the juvenile Oscar, which was the little itty bitty Oscar mm-hmm. they used to give out. And I wish they still gave those out because they're adorable. They are. Um, and there are so many cute little, really good child actors out there. There are. Um, and then, of course, they, she puts her hand puts, hand puts, hand prints and footprints at Grauman's um, that same year. And Daryl Zanuck is very, you know, focused, and he knows that Shirley Temple is their greatest asset. And he has the Shirley Temple development team. (laughs) And they just make stories for Shirley Temple. It's 11 people who write movies for Shirley Temple. More than I'm sure anybody else. Exactly. It was all Shirley, Shirley, Shirley all the time. Exactly. And she gets, you know, this four room bungalow on the lot. <laughs> no. Um, you know, and it has a garden and it has a little rabbit pen and it has a tree. So we, you know, with swings and, you know, Zanuck has it painted with fairy princess murals all throughout. Um, and one of the fairy tale, you know, princesses is actually Shirley. With her 56 cards. I wonder yeah. if they counted. I bet they did. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, you know, and she has her own bodyguard. And, she, you know, Shirley just, Shirley just has this amazingly lavish existence that, you know, in addition to her salary is you know, built by Fox itself as a kind of a thank you to her. And I really think this is the last time um, Zanuck does that for a star because even though he would, you know, concede and give like Betty Grable the biggest, you know, bungalow on the lot, he's not going to have one specially built for her. Um, But Shirley, you know, sits there and she eventually gets up to where she's making like $3,000 a week towards... Yeah, she she's just making tons and tons of money. And finally, at the end of the decade, Fox is like, we really don't like, you know, see where Shirley's worth this much. And also, wasn't she she was rumored to be because she was more the right age to be um, the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. And I'm glad. It didn't happen. You know, I have mixed feelings on it because I think we could have seen a cute Wizard of Oz with her. But it's so ingrained for the Judy Garland version. And, of course, they give Judy Garland songs that are really, you know, tailored to her vocal range. Right. And so I think that, like... It's one of those things we can't imagine anyone but, you know, Judy in it. But I do think people forget that it also would have been tailored to Shirley's talents True. and limitations. You know what I mean? But it's, I don't know. I wish we would have had a Shirley Wizard of Ops. Did you? They, yeah. It would have been nice to have two. We could have little yeah. Shirley and teenage, um, teenage Dorothy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to ask you one thing. Did you ever see The Bluebird? Weird, 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 weird movie that Shirley was in. 
It's supposed to be like this fantastical thing that's like, sorry you didn't get the Wizard of Oz, we'll give you this. Ugh. And it's just not good. It's awful. And I would advise you guys, you know, uh, someone told me who was on the show about this movie and said, you've got to see it. Have you ever seen it? I said, no, I've never even heard of it. So it was on YouTube. I checked it out. And it was really just creepy, especially, I don't know, we're, you know, we're not going to spoil it, but it, uh, watch it. <laughs> It is weird and just, ooh. I guess that says it, right? Ew. Yes. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's very weird. And it's actually directed by Walter Lang, who's one of my favorite directors, but it's just not a good movie. No. There, the script's not there. And of course, I don't think it's a coincidence that that's Shirley's first flop with Fox. And then she goes on to make young people, and that's another you know flop. And people will argue, well, she's 12, she's aging out. I don't think it's necessarily that she was aging out. I think it was more so that Fox didn't know what to do with her. And so they're kind of like running her into the ground with these, you know, two films that just really aren't that great. So Gertrude and George buy out her contract. They're just like in 1940 and they're like, Hey, you know, we, we're going to take her someplace else. And they of course want to take her to MGM because MGM has Judy and Mickey. And that is like, you know, looked as like the prime for kids that are about Shirley's age. Right. So Fox agrees to it. And like the day she leaves, they renovate her bungalow that Santa could put so much work into. And I think that's why he never did this for another star again. She's basically expunged from, you know, the Fox slide and they make her bungalow an office building. Well, you know, that's what they did. Look what they did. Clark Gable and Van um, Johnson speaks about his last day on the set. And it was like, Okay, goodbye, Clark. And nobody did anything for him. And the people like him and other actors and other workers, they were at the stairs and they applauded for him. He waved, he got in his car, and that was that. Along with, remember, they packed up all of uh, Joan Crawford's stuff. I mean, let's face it, it's a hard place. It's a hot, that if you don't exist to them anymore, they just don't care and they treat you like dirt. Exactly. Um, you know, so they, the the temples are just like, okay, you know, we're going to go here. So they put her in the Westlake school for girls while they negotiate with MGM. And she does sign with MGM and they have like this grandiose comeback plan for her. And their first thing they're going to do is put her, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney in a movie that's part of the Andy Hardy series. And then Shirley meets Arthur Freed. Um, and Arthur Freed is considered one of the, the greatest, you know, film producers of all time. And he's also a creep. He's also a sexual deviant. And he, you know, Shirley's sitting in her interview 
with, you know, Freed to discuss this Andy Hardy movie. And Freed exposes his penis. Lovely to this child. So Shirley, of course, is in there without Gertrude. And she starts just, you know, kind of laughing. I mean, I can understand it, too. I do that, too, when I'm nervous. Right. Nervous, nervous laughter like, and go, yeah, oof. Exactly. So Freed, you know, throws her out and he's like, <laughs> I'm not working with you. So the only MGM movie she makes is Kathleen. And Kathleen is just Kathleen's not it. I've never seen that one either. It, it's just it's not it. It's um it's very first off, she's not really with anyone that, you know matches her star wise that's not to say that gail patrick or laurie day or herbert marshall didn't have careers they do but they are not at shirley temple level which i mean obviously arguably no one is at shirley temple level even at this point but you know what i mean it's it's just not a good movie i did see it I did see it i'm just looking at imdb yes i saw that movie ha ha yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it's not a horrible movie. It's just not a good movie. Yeah, I remember it. Um, and I think it's, because, you know, of course, it's like, oh, she's an unhappy teenager. And it's hard for older teenagers to relate with seeing who would, you know, now be what, like a 13-year-old on the screen portraying a teenager. You know, it, it, she's not really going to have the same things, you know, as we'll see, you know, like what, thir- 14 years later with Rebel Without a Cause. She's not really able to relate to that teenage demographic. Um, you know, and she's just, Shirley's kind of jumping around and Gertrude is, negotiating stuff for her but i think that shirley is able to see the writing on the wall before gertrude and realize like hey my movie career is pretty much old like over i think she did a couple of good movies not that she was fabulous but and since you went away she played brig and i thought she you know she did well and I'll be seeing you. She was a stupid pain in the neck with Ginger Rogers and Joseph Cotton. <laughs> Joseph is a guy who was in the war, and he is shell-shocked, a.k.a. PTSD. He has panic attacks. And Ginger is in the slammer, which she should not have been in the slammer for that. Have you ever seen this movie? Yes. And, oh, no, what am I talking about? I'll be seeing you. Yeah. And... Uh, she gets, because she's so good, she gets like a couple weeks off of jail and she meets him on the train and, you know, love, love, love. And then there's misunderstanding, but love, love, love. And Shirley's like a little brat, um, mm-hmm. but um, she doesn't mean to be a brat. She just is. And then The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, which kind of cracks me up, you know, seeing <laughs> Cary Grant as the knight in shining armor and things like that. So that kind of cracks me up a little bit. But the movie, uh, that Hagen girl, is it Hagen? Uh, the, the, it's the one with Ronald Reagan. She lives in a small town. She was adopted, and there is scuttlebutt. They treat her like, you know, she's shunned in the small town. And then Ronald Reagan comes back, and 
Um, even Shirley thinks he's her father. She has, you know, she has a boyfriend who is the adorable Rory Calhoun, who also looks way too old for Shirley. And he, you know, you don't know where she's from. You don't know who she is. And so in the movie, Reagan is romancing this lovely teacher who is a woman who was in I, I, Lois somebody who was like Miss Penny Pincher. I don't know her name. In the in the in James Bond movies, I'm sorry, guys. I don't like James Bond movies. She was like his secretary or something. And anyway, so worth seeing this. And Shirley's getting just distraught. And Tom, she thinks, is her father, which is Ronald Reagan. And so it becomes this huge, builds up to this huge ending, which is like, huh? And I'm going to spoil it for you guys because it's so creepy, but please watch it if you can. It's on YouTube, that Hagen, Hagen, whoever girl. And yeah. Yeah. And so at the end, she wants to kill herself because she can't take all this anymore and whatever. So Reagan, Ronnie baby, goes out there to save her. And he's saving her. I want to die. And he's telling her, I'm not your father. I love you. We'll get out of this. <laughs> and he's like 37. Out of nowhere. He's like, you know, hot and heavy with the teacher. She thinks he's her father. And no, I, I, but he said when he uttered the words at a, um, what do you call them? Like a test one where they watch people write down on cards what they think and stuff like that yeah so the, the like audience screen right things. exactly yeah. so he was in the audience and he said i love you to shirley you know and he was 37 she's 17 and she looks 15 ish so everybody booed <laughs> so they took that line out because it creeped everybody out but the whole thing creeped me out up until he tells her, I love you. I'm not your father. My God, she's thinking this guy's her father. It is a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting film. And Reagan is totally embarrassed about it. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and Shirley, but though, it's her favorite film because she said it was her first adult role. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's that's kind of the thing. Because Gertrude wants to still capitalize on, like, this child fame. You know, Gertrude's sitting there and she, you know, they have Shirley Temple dolls and they have Shirley Temple paper dolls and they have Shirley Temple clothes and they have milk or milk, mugs, pitchers, cereal bowls, you know. Lunchboxes. Yeah, I mean, anything you can imagine, Shirley Temple is on it. I wonder if they had Shirley Temple wigs. Yeah, they probably did. (laughs) I'd be shocked if they didn't. You know, and Shirley, um, Shirley makes a an unreasonable amount of money off of these endorsements. And that's really where she, you know, gets a lot of her stuff. Um, you know, or a lot of her, or I should say Gertrude gets a lot of, you know, stuff <laughs> is from all of these endorsements. Yeah. And I think Gertrude wants that con- to continue, which is part of the reason why she keeps steering, you know, Shirley to these more childlike roles. Um, 
1945 comes around. We jumped a little bit ahead, but just going back, 45. No, you're fine. 45 comes around, and Shirley, you know, Gertrude tells Shirley, like, you know, I'm so sorry, precious, but you, we don't have any of the money you made. And, you know, Shirley's just like, oh, I know. It's all good, Mom. I still love you. And I think that says a lot about how both close Shirley and Gertrude were and how much Shirley put Gertrude on a pedestal. Because, of course, Gertrude knows where the money went. Gertrude spent it with, you know, Gertrude and George spent it. Three mil, right? It was three million. And she maybe had 477,000 that he had stashed away for her. But she had $89,000. Oh, lordy. And you know what? I don't think she really, she must not have grasped, grasped, I'm sorry, everybody, I don't mean to spit either, grasped how much that money was at that time. Could she really? Well, and I think, I think the other thing is Gertrude thought if they could push this, like, kid thing for as long as possible, like, they would just have enough money for life. I really think that's what Gertrude thought. And because you pointed out Gertrude, Gertrude, Shirley, well, I mean, Gertrude does too, but Shirley photographs quite young. Yes. And I can see why Fox was able to get by with saying, you know, when Shirley was five, that she was actually three. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and she, she has that through really throughout her life. Even when you watch, you know, the Shirley Temple, you know, storybook show, she looks significantly younger than she actually is. Yes. Um, you know, and I think in Gertrude's mind, Gertrude thought, well, we can just continue this probably reasonably until Shirley's about 16. And then Shirley will have, you know, like two years of transition to adult roles. And then she'll, you know, be able to be a movie star for the rest of her life. But a big thing that I don't think people really realize, and it's, I would say more prevalent with the studio system, but it does still happen today. A lot of people, when you go into a new decade, kind of discard last decade stars. And that's what happens with Shirley. And it happens too, like with Betty Grable, you know, usually within the first couple years, the old stars are starting to fade. You know, the ones who were at like the tip of the top were starting to fade and the new ones are coming in and people really start to hyper-focus on like the new it girls. And, you know, Shirley goes out and there's obviously children's stars in between this, but I would say the next really big one is Elizabeth Taylor. You know, a couple years later, um, it's going to really be Elizabeth Taylor. And I think that people, you know, seem to think like, oh, my kid will keep going. But it's like they really can't because there aren't a lot of people that grow up and people want to see them, you know, on the screen and they want to see them grow up on the screen. Liz Taylor, I would say is a good example of someone people did want to see. And I would say it's because she is just the most extraordinarily beautiful little girl. Yeah. And she, she grows up to adult. be, she lo- she's so gorgeous. Yes, she does. And then of course she grows up to, to one of the most extraordinarily beautiful women on the planet. Like, you know, so 
it's you know people want to see that because Liz Taylor is like otherworldly. But then you have Shirley, and Shirley is a very cute little girl, very, and very. she grows. She grows up to be a very cute woman, but she's really not a woman that you're going to see in films. No, she she's, might be the I don't know what you the best friend. <laughs> she's beautiful. She's cute. She's got dimples, and she is a thirty year old midget. So, you know, she's not very tall. But at that point, everybody was short too. So, you know, I'm not saying people are short. No, I'm just saying in Hollywood, a lot of the women are short, but. At that point, I think they were getting a little taller. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, she, she talks, I think Shirley tops out about 5'4". Maybe mm, not even quite five, that tall. I read like 5'1", five, 5'2". Five, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, like that, that star range. Yes, and I think um, that, you know, that's a nice range. But, you know, she's just, she's just a really cute girl. And it's like, she's not someone, though, who you're really going to see with a film contract once she becomes an adult. And this doesn't mean that she's ugly. Not um, the least. What I... What it more so is, is that there's changing taste in what is considered attractive. You know, she could keep going in the 40s because she's cute and people like, you know, cute and wholesome, even if they're kind of, you know, burnt out on Shirley Temple. Right. You know, they, they like this cute and wholesomeness. But then, of course, when she becomes an adult, you know, I shouldn't say becomes an adult, but when she's a little bit, you know, further along in her adulthood, when she, you know, starts going into the 50s, and of course, she's only, what, 22, when she goes into the 50s, but... It's very, you know, it becomes very bosom centric and it becomes this kind of you know, I love like that. bosom centric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> bosom centric, uh, mostly blonde, but of course, that lovely Jane Russell. But she did at the time, wasn't in Fort Apache, she met her first husband? She, she meets him, um, she meets him before the war. Okay. I wonder if moms liked him. Or she was very uh, maybe happy. it was during the war. Yeah. John Agger. Yeah. Um, I I don't think Gertrude liked John Agger, and she probably had good reason not to like John Agger because John Agger is just a complete jerk, <laughs> and he she he treats Shirley absolutely horribly. Um, very nice looking when she's with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they totally fit. Um as a couple mm-hmm. but you know she, she gets him into films so they, they actually meet um while he's in um the army air corps and then he's you know sitting there and he's going around and he gets married to shirley temple and he goes and he you know, makes movies because of being married to Shirley. You know, he, he signs with Selznick and his first movie is Ford Apache, which of course Shirley is his wife, but they've been married for about three years when that one came out. Um, but he he's an alcoholic. He treats Shirley horribly after, you know, because Shirley gets married when she's like 17 and Shirley discovers. Yeah. Yeah. And Shirley's like, Oh, God, I've made a mistake. And so she gets married really later that year to Charles Black, and he's just a businessman. And I think it works well for her. And I really think marrying Black, who has no, you know, 
dreams of becoming a star doing anything like that. It works for her. And that's what allows her to finally return to normal life. And Gertrude, you know, sits there and is basically pretty accepting of this marriage. And I think it's because he, you know, or he, she's like, you know, at least Shirley's happy. Which is wonderful. I feel bad. We kind of went into, you know, a Shirley biography, but you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Gertrude is as bad as some people paint her out to be. Like I wouldn't put her, on my list of absolute worst stage no, mothers, if but we're she going did steal that dough, and I'm sorry, you know that's surely forgave her, but that I I can't even imagine doing that. Also, Gertrude was uh, <laughs> somebody met her, you know, and he said, I don't know who it was it Slim Somerville or something, and he said, Oh, you're the goose who laid uh, the golden egg, you know, meaning how she. She uh, arranges everything for Shirley. So she was not the worst. I'm sorry if I got into a Shirley biography. Excuse me, guys. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry, April. <laughs> no, you're fine. I did it. So, you know, you're totally fine. I I feel like there's just though not a lot on Gertrude because, you know, she's very difficult when Shirley's you know, going up. And, you know, she wants Shirley to continue this kid shtick as long as she can. But when Shirley can't, like, she doesn't, like, sit there and cut off Shirley or she doesn't, you know, sue Shirley for anything or anything like that. It's like she kind of just realizes, oh, Shirley grew up. Like, you guys have a great life. And she did. I mean, as far as, you know, she was a huge star in the 30s. And how many kids like that um, had such an, a normal kind of life? She had her kids. She really didn't want to go back in the business. She was content. And then she became an ambassador later in her life. And I mean, she, she, you know, she didn't want to do that again. She did what she wanted to do or her mommy wanted her to do. And she moved on. And she did. And I think she had a, a happy life. I really do after her her career. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. And, you know, I think the big thing, too, is with, you know, like Shirley doesn't really talk about her mom. She, you know, she ends her book, but she gets married and she has her kids. And that's basically where she ends her book, even mm-hmm. though she has other stuff after that. Um, you know, and the last sentence in Shirley's book is thanks, mom. <laughs> And I think that that's very, very, you know, telling of how Shirley feels about her mom. And I think if Shirley was more outspoken about her mom, she would probably, you know, sit there and, you know, people would focus, I guess, you know, more on like, this is what happened. But I think a lot of stuff Shirley just looks at, like, this came with the territory. And, you know, that's why some certain things with Gertrude is just kind of shady. Yeah. And she just moved on. You know, it's like, right. I can't, I'm not looking back here. I'm not going to do it. So I imagine um, Gertrude and George were in her life. I know they lived a long time. And, um, and that was that. So you're right. Shirley Temple's mother was not the worst. But I, I still don't get stealing all that money and, you know, Shirley just saying, I know, Mom, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I think her, you know, love for her mom and, you know, 
I do want to clarify that like Grace and I aren't saying that Gertrude wasn't abusive in certain ways or that Gertrude was parent of the year, but it's like, you see how she handled stuff with Shirley, Shirley and you're like, Oh God, you know, like that's really crappy. Like, why would you do that? But then you see somebody like, you know, Judy's mom. And that is just like, Oh, okay. This is why Gertrude Temple sounds so great. Is Judy next? Judy is next. Oh boy, that's going to be a good one too. Yes, Mary Gum was not a nice lady. No, and that's one where you can really sit there and say that's the stage mom from hell. And Judy did not love her. So yes, she definitely did not love her mother. So yes. We did a little bit of a bio on Shirley. And, you know, basically, I don't think we would have anyway. But so we gave a little bit of the Shirley stuff. I gave a little bit more. Sorry, guys. But, you know, we just kind of gave you the gist of moms, you know, mommy baby. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we want to thank you, too, for listening again. And next week, button your seatbelts. Buckle your seatbelts. I am terrible today. I'm sorry, everybody. Buckle your seatbelts. We got that. Judy's mom. Ah! Mrs. Gum. Mrs. Gum. Yes. Um, And I want to thank you, Miss April VVA, uh, once again, for being Miss April VVA, Wunderboss, wonderful. And I love you, honey. I love you too, Grace, and thank you so much for having me, and thank you to everyone for listening to us. Yes, thank you so much, and Deborah, again, thank you, and I am going to link the book you wrote um, up, I promise. Uh, And thank you, Deborah, again. So... Thanks, everybody. Until next time with April and I. It's True Stories of Tinseltown. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, April, again. Bye, everybody. Listen to the stories of Tinseltown. The